Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, could Tron 3 be a reality? Umbrella Academy and the boys are coming back for season 2. And are Queeby's hopes set on Die Hard? All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back for another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate you listening out there to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts, or if you can like, subscribe on Spotify or any of the other podcast apps that you use out there. Plus, also, you can go ahead, if possible, catch all of our great shows, including all the many Lakers Fast Breaks we've done in the past month, and also Inside Sports Fantasy Football. We've done episodes there, and also a couple shows that my fellow host has in the works as well, because it's just a great thing when you go ahead and support us right here at the Pop culture cosmos but it wouldn't be a pcc multiverse without my good friend he's our own sam flynn of pop culture cosmos you got to check out what he's doing today at popculturecosmos.com his great podcast which i just mentioned the super bs games cast and topicocalypse please five star those shows as well and also of course his great book congratulations you suck and don't forget, on PopCultureCosmos.com, you can check out his latest review of Alan Wake, The American Nightmare, right up there for you. It is my good friend. It is Josh the Magnificent. What's up, man? What's up? What's up? Just, uh, you know, living, doing my thing, staying in the house, reading a lot of news about Netflix, by the way. Have you been seeing anything going on with them? Well, actually, to be honest with you, I'm listening to other podcasts. I know I'm cheating on this, but I am listening to other podcasts, including one that I'm checking out now on Spotify called Land of the Giants. I've just ran through their season one, which they recorded last year, uh, several part series on Amazon. And now currently for this season on season two for Netflix. And they're talking about the rise of Netflix, the issues that they've gone through, the battle against Blockbuster Video back in the day. So it's been some very interesting listening. But I wanted to hear your thoughts on what's going on with Netflix. You know, their stock 
shares are rising and falling as as you know per usual but they're starting to ramp up production again you know and most recently you know we've been hearing things about stranger things umbrella academy which we'll talk about later but i was just reading a thing saying cowboy bebop has resumed production which i remember john cho the star the guy who's playing spike on there he hurt his leg a while back so they've been on hold for a really long time but now i guess they've been given the green light to resume production i guess they're going to do that in new zealand so uh, that's exciting. Still don't know how I feel about John Cho in that role. You know, I'm hoping for the best because I think when I think of John Cho, I think like funny. You know, I don't think cool and Spike is cool. So I don't know, but I'm hoping for the best. But anyways, they're presuming production and uh, I imagine we'll be seeing Cowboy Bebop here before, you know, hopefully before February or March. Don't sell him short. Great actor. Done a lot of good things out there. Obviously from the Star Trek universe, I know him a lot. I think he'll do just fine. I think uh, if you underestimate John Cho as an actor, I think you're selling him short. So it's just me, just my I, opinion. I no, I know. I hope so. I like. I I really hope so. But it's just you know, I think about Harold and Kumar, and I think that's kind of the same way I look at like Steven Stifler. You know, what's uh, Sean William Scott? I can't see him playing anything else besides Stifler. So I think that's that's the issue. So I'm hoping that I'm pleasantly surprised by this, but. You know, who knows? I still think that you ever see the um, live action uh, Rurouni Kenshin adaptations that that have come out? Yes. I, I still think that those are like the best live action anime interpretations I've ever seen. So will it top it? Who knows? But we'll see. Who knows? But Netflix is always something going on. And it's just interesting. Like I said, I'm listening to Land of the Giants from Vox Media right now as far as one of the podcasts I'm listening to outside of ours, of course. And... I, it was interesting because you and I, my friend, could have had Netflix stock for just a dollar. Imagine that. I know, I know. I'm like, I've, I've just started like investing in stocks now. You know, I'm in, investing. I have a, if, if you go on the Cash App or you use Robinhood, you know, we're not being sponsored by them, but you can invest like one or two dollars into things and just see what happens. But a lot of the vaccine companies, because they're getting the gov- like government bailouts right now, their their stocks are. are you know, slowly climbing or quickly climbing, depending on which one you look into. But uh, yeah, man, wish we would have got on that Netflix train. Cause I have the feeling that once their new shows start coming back on, they're going to be uh, on the rise for sure. Absolutely. My friend, Netflix and chill, Netflix and chill. But I tell you what, there's a lot of great stuff that we're talking about besides Netflix or including Netflix, because we will be talking about umbrella Academy and the boys coming up here each of them just recently had, their, in fact, on the same day, had some teasers come out for season two. We'll talk about which people are interested in more. And of these shows, we're also going to talk about that and Doom Patrol, since all these three, I'm going to say quasi-superhero shows, let's say, you know, for, they're kind of off the beaten path for superhero shows. We're going to talk about all these shows that, you know, like we did last year, they all got off to great starts, but which ones going forward could have at least a better showing going forward for, on their streaming outlets? Plus, we're going to be talking about some canceled Valve projects, which came to fruition with the development of Half-Life Alex, which came out recently on VR. So we'll talk about that, including some very disappointing ones for gaming fans out there. Queeby is making a big push... For one of its latest projects, its movie called Die Hard with Kevin Hart. 
about him as a comedic sidekick that wants to become a famous action star hero and the process that he has to go through and the the all the stuff crazy stuff that John Travolta puts him through in the movie. We're going to talk about Die if, wait. Die Hard. Die Hard like H A R T? Yes, like Kevin Hart. That's That's clever. That's really yes, clever. Yes, yes. So we'll talk about that coming up here in a little bit. We're also going to talk about the coronavirus having a, a speed up effect on a lot of well-known businesses, including one that's near and dear to our hearts. Well, we'll just say it right now, Sears. So we're going to talk about that coming up here in a bit and the memories that we have of it. And then later on on the back end of the program, we're going to be talking about Ready Player Two and our excitement for that book as it was announced that it's coming. You can pre-order it now while you're also ordering Josh's book right there on Amazon and Barnes & Noble coming up in November. So we'll talk about that coming up on the back end of the show as well. But first, my friend, that's totally the worst Tron music ever, but at least my rendition of it anyways. But Tron 3, according to what I was reading on Newsweek, it had an article that Tron 3 recently on a podcast it leaked out that Tron 3 could be back revived once again as an entity. And well, as you and I would expect, we thought it was going to be a movie and we weren't sure before because we heard that it was in, in limbo because Tron Legacy didn't quite make the money that it, it needed to make in order to justify another movie in the chain. Made about $400 million worldwide. But Tron 3 could become a reality, or as I would like to see it, maybe a Tron series, because the animated series was so good, could be coming to Disney+. Plus. So that's an option out there for you, and that's a big rumor that's out there. And actually something that maybe have a little bit more heat and fire stoking out there. So I want to hear your thoughts, man. Could Tron 3 very much be a reality? Because, you know what? I think it could be, and it could be coming to Disney+. Plus, Not right away, mind you, but at some point down the line. I read the article. You know, I read their... I forget who they were talking with, but I read the, the interview. I read him... Was it Daft <laughs> Punk? Talking. No, it was a producer, I thought, wasn't okay, it? I know okay. Daft Punk has signed on to do the... Um, the uh, soundtrack. The again. soundtrack. Yeah. They, just, yeah. they did a great but, job in Tron Legacy. Yeah, no, they did a great job. Honestly, like, I really liked Tron Legacy, and I don't know, like, where it went wrong with audiences. Maybe it's the same thing, you know, with Blood Runner 2049, but, you know, I really enjoyed the film, and I, I would love to see more, but, I mean, my fear with this would be they said, you know, we're getting a script nailed down, and the script is really good, uh, but we are, you know, originally we had something that was not um, good for theaters, and it makes me wonder that, like, if, if it's not good for theaters... And you're going to put something out now on Disney Plus. Tron is something that needs a big budget. Like you saw the just because of the world that Tron takes place in, you've seen, you know, we've seen what that looks like, and it needs a big budget. And if you're doing a smaller, doing Tron on a smaller scale, I would hope that they would at least pick up the story of you know where Garrett Hedlund and Olivia Wilde's characters left off because we, right? It was um. You know what's his name was trying to open the grid right and get everyone out into the Flynn. real world like what oh clue what, well Flynn, clue. yeah Flynn clue clue, clue. yeah because yeah, because Flynn, Flynn dies yeah um, and, and then clue was the bad guy yeah yeah so. mm -hmm. 
So, I mean, I would hope that they'd carry on their story instead of just giving us, you know, what Disney is famous for with their, you know, non-theater sequels is that it's just, it's, yeah, it takes place in the same universe. Use the story on, but it's just a really, really low quality. So I'm, I'm hopeful that, you know, should this go to Disney Plus, it'll be something of note. You know, it won't be like a Lady in the Tramp or something like that. It won't be like it in, in Atlantis 2. Yeah. You know, it'll truly be a great film. And that's what scares me is that, like, I'm very fond of the Tron movies. And if this doesn't hit the mark for me, it's going to ruin the other two films. I don't know if it's going to ruin the other two films. Uh, it depends on your definition of it ruining. I mean, if you already have two films that you enjoyed already in the series and the third one doesn't quite meet up to your standards, I don't know if that's going to be the case that it will ruin the other two. I still will enjoy the first two. I know my daughters, I had the, you know, we actually sat down about a month or two ago and actually watched the first two. One kind of liked it. The other one didn't. So I don't know how it, it will relate to a new generation. That kind of concerns me. I think it's always something that would be very cool and very inviting, very futuristic, very sci-fi. So I'm hoping that Tron 3 will still be able to connect. I know Tron roller coaster was being built at Disney World when I was there in December. So I know that there is still future for the Tron IP. I Again, I hope that it would actually migrate into a series on Disney Plus because I would love to see something continuous in the Tron world because you have so many ways now that you can attack, pardon the pun, this type of scenario when you're talking about computers because anything now within the world of computers, whether it's hacking, whether it's a virus, whether it's you know, so any which way now that you could go ahead and have any type of computer computerized scenario it now could really it will lay into the story like ever before. I mean, even more than 2010 with Tron Legacy and well more than when the original. I mean, there's so many more issues now within the world of computers that are both good and bad that you could go ahead and inflect into a storyline. That's why I just don't think a Tron 3 movie would be enough. I would love to see a Tron series instead. Uh, again, I mean, it depends on how it does it. To me, I think if it weren't high quality, it would ruin it for me just because I'm a continuity freak. And, uh, you know, if, if they, yes, if they continued the story and did it in a series and it was good and it was like maybe the quality of the Mandalorian, then yeah, I could get behind something like that. I would love to see, you know, go for an extended stay in that universe. But again, I just want it to be good. I want it to be continuing what was, what's already been done. Well, we'll see what happens as a, either a Tron 3 or Tron, hopefully uh, for myself, a Tron series could be in the works. Most likely we'll be heading to Disney+. Plus. I have a feeling if it's a movie that they might, all by that time, well, let's say if even if they start working on it now or are working on it now, it wouldn't come out till 2022 at the earliest. So it, it might actually have a theatrical run if that's the case. But if it does migrate itself into a series and Disney Plus wants more content specifically for a Disney Plus series or both. Who knows? There could be the best of both worlds. It all depends on Disney's faith in the Tron IP which as you and I have seen they haven't really had much of because how long did it take for the sequel to Tron? You know what I'm saying? So uh, before we go ahead and jump for joy on this we'll, we'll see how much Disney wants to back up the Tron IP 
as hopefully a Tron 3 or a Tron series could be on the way from Disney. What still worries me about that, though, is the fact that he said, you know, we had a Tron 3, for, uh, but it wasn't viable for theaters, you know, and that, that worries me. That concerns me a little bit. And that was like, what, halfway in the, you know, through the decade before Disney Plus was a reality at that point in time. Right, right. So it just makes me wonder, like, is this, that's why I fear this is going to be something of lesser quality. I hope not, my friend, because you and I both know that a lesser quality Tron would not make a good Tron indeed. What are your thoughts out there on Tron possibly being revived as a movie or, as I'm hoping, a television series? Either way works for me. But share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, also as well, popculturecosmos, Humanic Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And don't forget, popculturecosmos is now on TikTok as well. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break Podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. But my friend, there's more to talk about on this week's show Umbrella Academy and The Boys, both on the same day, released season two teasers, trailers, whatever you want to say now, because to me it's all the same thing. But they both released trailers out there into the wild this week on the same day. And it was kind of interesting that Umbrella Academy for season two got some nice you know, interest and things of that nature. But when The Boys came out with theirs later in the day, a lot more people got excited, even though we had already seen a little snippet of season two already. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend. When it comes to Umbrella Academy, when it comes to the boys, I'm I'm excited for both. I gave both favorable reviews. In fact, the boys, I believe, if I remember correctly, when I was on our show last year with Jessica Boggs, I believe I gave the boys the number one spot as the best show on television last year. So I want to hear your thoughts on the boys and the umbrella academy are you excited for both one or neither of the above i think i know the answer though that's what i'm tick talking about you see what i did did? (laughs) thank you thank you i will be here all week um yeah no the (laughs) the i'm excited for both yeah i I loved i loved both series like i like the umbrella academy a lot i like the boys a lot and you know they they both have their kind of different types of superhero shows but i mean they both have certain qualities that are are different from the other but i'm just as excited about both you know like i love umbrella academy i'm really curious about because obviously they're going back in time this time and they, they brought you know what was that quote in the uh trailer you brought the end of the world with you and i like and i so, like the answer that was given oh man i told my cult it ended in 2019 yeah yeah <laughs> how, how long do we have <laughs> till monday uh, oh no till monday yeah well and i like how they brought back what's the the weird agent guy who is feeling conflicted about everything oh um, yeah yeah but also they have the two agents as well the the bad guys seemingly that mm-hmm. are after them the, that are dressed as milkmen and vacuum salesmen so, yeah, I mean, well, I, they have the one guy too that has the fishbowl. Yes, yes, on his head, absolutely. Little fish. Saw that. Yeah, so I'm there. There's a lot of mystery and intrigue there. I'm I'm curious. I guess like the last season kind of had some 
detrimental consequences on on time and that whole organization that ran everything. So it'll be fun to pick up where these characters left off. And I like that the brother that Klaus sees, what's his name? Um, ben. Yes. I like that he is now, it's kind of known that he's with them now. So I, I've, I thought that that dynamic was interesting. Well, I remember that they um, asked, they asked, is Ben with you? And then he said yeah. he doesn't try time travel. And Ben's in the background going, I'm here, man. Are you kidding me? Yes. <laughs> so, it, so, I'm, yes. I'm, looking, I'm actually looking very forward to it. I'm actually looking more yeah. forward to it than I was season one. Yeah, season one was like there, it had its episodes that were really good, but there were a couple episodes that were kind of a drag. You know, I don't like if, if this might make me sound like snobby, but like I don't like going back in time in a series. Like if it's a brief flashback of things that happened, that's fine. But they had several episodes with at least 20 minutes of flashbacks in them. And I think that kind of made it a little difficult to watch. But now that that's all over with, like I do really love the characters in the world. So I'm hoping just to kind of move forward. I'm hoping that as well. I see the Umbrella Academy. Now, get get this. Uh, I don't know if you agree with me or not, but we've got the boys, which we'll talk about here in a sec. And then we've got Doom Patrol, which just finished its season two. Very good show, a very good series, a very good season. Uh, you know, just uh, they've done a great job with it. I see Umbrella Academy as a hybrid of the two. I see them as like a, you know, trying to be as sometimes... Uh, like the boys, and I see them trying to be sometimes as goofy as Doom Patrol. So uh, I don't know sometimes that they fi- always find the right mix, but when it does, it works, and it really works well. So I'm hoping for some good things when it comes to Umbrella Academy. I didn't think the series was bad. I thought it was actually pretty good. I just didn't think it was at the level of Doom Patrol as and the boys consistently, because I thought those two series for me were were among the very best last year. And now when it comes to the boys, I think we're all excited, my friend. All excited about what's coming up with the boys. I mean, because it, it just looks like there's going to be a, a storm front being added into the mix. And now the boys really uh, plastered out there as far as being uh, you know, the world's most wanted. It looks like it's going to get even more intriguing in season two. Yeah, you know, and I I love just like how aware of itself that that show has become. You know, even just looking in the trailers, like these these people like really just they were they were on the the path in the first season to becoming these these violent heroes or like these these tyrants, and now you just see in the trailer they've just full on fallen into those roles. You know, it's going to be interesting to see how Homelander, you know, what what's going to happen with him. How is he going to? Because if I remember correctly, Homelander let Carl Urban's character live. So I'm just curious, like how, you know, obviously there's they're going to probably reference that in the new season. So how's that going to play out? And Homelander, remember, had a child with uh, Carl Urban's wife, and the child is actually doesn't get the uh, the juice. the The kid actually has superpowers, and I think was the first kid to actually be born a superhero. So that makes it even crazier, and yeah, all the stuff that's going on and in, intermixed there—it's—it's it's really uh, very interesting to see. But yeah, it, the boys is just—it's crazy out there as well, but uh, in a different way, and so over the top as far as the violence and the gore and all that. But it does so in a way that it's trying to tell a story and trying to make a statement on on certain things that, that you have to pick up. 
but yeah, it, it's very good, and I'm 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 excited for that that series and that season as well. I just want to know what happened to the deep. You know, he was having a really bad day at the end of that <laughs> yes. series. So, yeah, the deep was uh, having some struggles, and uh, yeah, Kel going into his inner demons, and they were what they sent him. To, uh, was it to the Pacific Northwest? I think. Yeah, yeah, and then he tried to. That was because he tried. He stole a dolphin or something, right? Yes. And the dolphin ended up. Yeah, that was a. Uh, that was hilarious, funny, but tra- yes. tragic scene <laughs> for him. Yes, and it went through the windshield and all that. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, I know he shaved his head and all that. Yeah, it's just there's so many intriguing things we got to see coming up in the boys and also Umbrella Academy, and we're looking forward to both of them. So I want to ask you out there, what are you more excited about, the boys or the Umbrella Academy? The boys is coming out in September to Amazon, and when it comes out, we'll go ahead and share our thoughts on that. But Umbrella Academy is coming at the end of this month here in July. So I want to share, you know, I want to hear your thoughts out there. Which are you looking more forward to? And also as well, do you compare both of them to the Doom, you know, do you compare both of them to Doom Patrol? And which of these three, I don't know, I guess pseudo or, you know, semi-superhero stories where they're superhero stories, but they're kind of, I don't it's just, they're kind of difficult to explain because they're not the traditional superhero stories in and of themselves. But which of these non-traditional superhero series are you most looking forward to watching? And if you've watched Doom Patrol already, what were your thoughts on that? Because we'd love to hear your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com remember we're on on every social media outlet including instagram facebook twitter and you know what we're on tiktok as well my friend want to talk to you about before we hit the half hour mark the canceled projects from valve there was an article all over the place excuse me there was a recent special uh yeah multimedia special according to ign from your friend and mine, Jeff Keeley, I'm talking about the final hours of Half-Life Alex, the very well-received VR game that's out there, Half-Life Alex. So I want to give them props on making a game. Half-Life Alex has garnered some great reviews. A lot of people are very interested in it. Uh, it could be a game that just extends the life of the, the VR platform, which you and I have both gone over as far as being somewhat disappointing because... Not too long ago, we were talking about it like it was going to be the second coming, and it unfortunately did not, so as of yet, come to pass. That and the Iron Man VR, that's also something a lot of people look forward to, and and the Darth Vader one as well. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend. During that special by Jeff Keighley, they mentioned several canceled projects by Valve, including Half-Life 3 and Left 4 Dead 3. And Half-Life 3, I know, is a sore subject with a lot of gamers out there that really cannot fathom the fact that there's no Half-Life 3 out there. And I also want to ask Left 4 Dead 3, which has a special place in my heart as one of the most fun games I've ever played. I'm truly disappointed that they have not extended that series yet. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend. Half-Life 3 and Left 4 Dead 3 were on the table were in development and then canceled. I don't know if they're going to be revived or not by Valve. I want to hear your thoughts on that. And, you know, is it something that they should go back to? And are you truly disappointed that they got canceled in the first place? 
when I think about Half Life Three, like I, I honestly, I think Never Say Never because that that is something the fans wanted. Is something that I, I know Valve could pull off if they wanted to. There's nothing keeping them from doing it, and it's just even with all the controversy going on at Valve with their people, like it's still, it is something doable. They own the property. It's not like you know trying to get an Alan Wake Two where Remedy is no longer part of Microsoft and Microsoft owns the right to the rights to the IP. It's not. A scenario like that they could easily go back and do it and fans it's something fans want so i i never say never you know look at we they said we'd never revisit that world and we could be half-life alex vr so i i don't think that we're never going to see it but i think that it, it still will be a long time and by the time they do finally revisit it is anyone really going to care anymore and that's the problem because i have such fond memories of it but then again as these games get older, less and less people will be interested in it. Kids will be looking at other games and like, oh, I don't care about Left 4 Dead. That was that was my dad's game. That was my granddad's game. That was my mom's game. That was you know my grandma's game. That was something that took place 10, 15 years ago. And that's the problem. If it gets to that point where people don't care, that would be... That would be detrimental, and that would be so disappointing for those two series. I think with Half-Life 3, it has the better, I guess, notoriety of the two. But Left 4 Dead 3 is something that I know a lot of fans not want out there as well. I, th I think a lot of people just truly had fun at that game. But the continuation of Half-Life 3, to see the culmination of that series, I think because it set itself up for a trilogy... I think a lot of people just wanted that final chapter, at least that closure to the Half-Life series, instead of this part two or part, 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 part that, or now Half-Life Alex on VR, which is good, but it just shows the potential of what Half-Life 3 and Left 4 Dead 3 could become. So, I don't know. I'm just, I'm kind of disappointed that they have not finished development on those two games, and that right now, as of now, they're on the shelf. I'm hoping they'll go back to it, and I'm so. That's why I ask you, my friend, as we close out this half hour. Do you think that they'll ever go back to those two games? I think they will. You know, especially like if there's been whispers for a while about like you know Portal Three, and like I'm sure that if they're continuing mythology in that world, they will go back to it eventually. And it's something that this probably will never happen. But like, say Steam, you know, hits a low spot. They're like, how do we get people stoked about Valve again? Let's do Half-Life 3. We'll see it. It's not a matter of if. It's just a matter of when. So if you want to check it out, the articles on IGN, or if you want to check out the entire multimedia presentation of the final hours of Half-Life Alex, starring your friend and mine, Josh. She's not, but somebody that talked about on the show before. Jeff Keeley, you gotta go ahead and check it out today. It's right there for you on IGN. You want to give them the, you know, give them the shout out because they they've got they reported the story. But yeah, we're kind of disappointed right now that it was canceled, being Half Life Three and Left 4 Dead Three, and our hopes are that Valve will change its mind to gamers someday soon. What are your thoughts out there on? Half-Life 3 and Left 4 Dead 3 being canceled in the wake of Half-Life Alex getting released to VR and the Valve's focus on VR. 
popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Also as well, Pop Culture Cosmos, Humanity Media, and Game Source on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And also TikTok as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Coming soon, Zero Cool Films presents Action Figure Adventure. Super collector Jay Bartlett hits the road once again in search of action figures, most iconic and noteworthy and rare figures, all in the name of creating the most ultimate action figure auction ever. He fronts the cash that charity benefits in the end. What will he get? How will he get it? And how well will he do? Find out November 1st, 2020. My friend, second half hour is coming up right now. Once again, it's Gerald Glassford from the Pop Culture Cosmos, along with my fellow host and good friend, Josh Peterson, a.k.a. Josh the Magnificent. Josh, Queeby is something that we've talked about off and on. We talked at first about could this concept of 8 to 10 minute or 7 or 8 minute quick bites, thus the name Queeby, would work as far as on a mobile platform. Would people stay interested? Would people want to go ahead and check this out in our busy lives and yada, 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 yada? Well, it turns out that Queeby has had some struggling months so far. No matter what Hollywood weight has been put on it, no, you know, put behind it, no matter what stars, no matter what interesting concepts have been part of it, Queeby has really not gotten over that well with the public. And compounding that, Peacock came out. And compounding that even further, HBO Max came out. And compounding even that even further, all the other existing streaming outlets like Disney Plus and Netflix, Hulu, etc., 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 Amazon Prime, they've all come out with projects, shows, series during that time that have garnered people's interest more than what Queeby's been doing. So Queeby, as of right now, has made a big promotional push in the past week for Kevin Hart's new movie or latest movie called Die Hard, where he is a comedic sidekick. Well, that's basically like real life that wants to go ahead and be an action hero, the leading man type deal. So he goes to a school headed up by John Travolta and somehow gets into a real life scenario or at least a movie life scenario from that in order to become a hero. So I want to hear your thoughts. I haven't heard seen any reviews for it yet or anything like that. I mean, the trailer's kind of cool, but it's Kevin Hart doing his thing as you would expect as far as the training goes and all that and not going as well as he would like, which is supposed to you know, be funny and things of that nature. It's about as Kevin Hartish as Kevin Hart can be. So I want to hear your thoughts on this project because Kevin Hart is a really great comedian. He's super funny. Love his, his stand-up. Done a great job over the many years. Loved him it, it, you know, ever since, you know, as far as loved his work ever since uh, you know, I saw, first saw him and the 40-year-old virgin. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, on Die Hard, if this could be something that could save Queeby, because his career is going to go on, and go on very well. He's got he's going to be starring in more films. He's going to got a lot more films to do. His career is going to be just fine. Is this going to be the kind of kickstart that Queeby needs to go ahead and become viable right now? No. <laughs> no, not, not at all. Honestly, like, it's... Queeby is, is they're done, you know, they're in, they're sinking, you know, with the whole Kevin Hart thing, Kevin Hart's funny. He's a great dude. He's yet, like you said, his career will go on, but I don't think that 
something starring Kevin Hart is going to be what writes that ship. Now, if it's The Rock, you know, somebody, some, somebody big, uh, maybe. But I mean, I don't think that Kevin Hart has the star power to save an entire failed streaming platform. And I hope that doesn't sound mean because I really like him, but it just, I don't think he has that power. It's funny because in the trailer, he is mentioned, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and that's part of the semi-fictional stature that this movie has because it talks about a movie that the fictional character of Kevin Hart does a movie with Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and he's talking to two talk show hosts about this, and they laugh at him because he wants to become an action hero because he makes that suggestion, and thus the point of, of what they do in the movie Queeby is just something on a platform that, you know, it, it seemed like a great idea at the time. When they announced it at CES, as far as the press conference that was there and their hopes were high, about targeting it to you, my friend, because that was the idea, targeting it to today's millennials, because we want to target everything to today's millennials, want to target everything to a younger audience, because that's who's going to really buy the product and that's who they were looking for in their busy lives to go ahead as millennials, still be able to check out footage because you don't have enough time for Netflix or Disney Plus or anything of that nature. You don't have enough time for that. But you do have eight to nine minutes for Queeby each and every day. Unfortunately, they didn't you know, account for the fact that people do, in a coronavirus pandemic, have time. But I think even if the coronavirus hadn't happened, they still would not be exactly you know, thriving at this point in time because I think they underestimate the, the, you know, the desire people have to watch complete programs, complete movies, and take the time to go ahead and do that, whether it's on Netflix, watching the latest shows there, or Disney+. Plus. You see all the tremendous amount of enthusiasm and energy people have watching Hamilton and going out of the way to, to see Hamilton. You see the numbers skyrocketing on on the apps you hear those stories about i think disney rising up 75 percent on their downloads of their app and all that so you hear all those numbers and, and hbo max talking about what they're doing all the great stuff that they've got out recently so you hear all that i think they just underestimated uh, queeby did on the power of consistent programming that's out and the you know, people's willingness to go ahead and take the time to watch it you know, think about this. I, I don't know if we've talked about this before, but like my phone, right? I can sit here, Queeby, that the point of Queeby is so that I will watch something on my phone when I have a few minutes, right? Yeah. But, you know, I have this phone and I've got games on it. You know, I've got Final Fantasy, I've got Dragon Quest, I've got little bubble popper, bust a move, whatever. So why am I going to to spend the time like my downtime watching Queeby? when I could just play a game that I, you know, would be a lot more entertaining for me. Like, that's what I don't understand about this whole mobile platform. It's just, it's not a good marketing solution. Now, now if they were to say, Hey, we have these shows and we're going to make them full length and it's not just something you can enjoy on your phone, but also in your living room, then maybe that would be something more viable, something that I would be into. But I mean, I, I'm not the kind of person that watches things on my phone unless I am, you know, sitting in a car for longer than two hours. And I don't know if I'm the only person who is like that, but it's just, if I'm sitting at work or at lunch, I'm not going to turn a show on for a few minutes. I'm probably going to play a game or check my emails or go on social media. 
I, I agree with you on that. I think they underestimated the marketplace. I think they underestimated exactly how people perceive Quibi and what they wanted Quibi to do. I, they had a lot of big name talent. That's not in question. They had a lot of big name people behind it that wanted to work on it. There's a lot of people up in the exec's office for Quibi that are big names in the Hollywood industry. But the thing is, they still just didn't understand the average movie viewer, the average television viewer, and what they want to do and what kind of content they want. I think if Quibi continues to struggle at its current rate, I think you will see a major shift with that company before they are either killed off, died off, or or bought off. And that is that they will go to a standard format where you will be able, Josh, to go ahead and download the Quibi app and watch a full movie from them or a full series from them. And you'll have the choice of doing it in either the quick bites or going ahead for the full series. I think that's their ultimate change that they will have to make before we can truly decide whether or not they're going to die or not. But if that's the case, that's not going to be a good sign for them. That's probably going to be a sign that, hey, their days are definitely numbered if they go ahead and, and... resort to that but i think they're going to have to resort to that at this pace because kevin hart aside and and his talents and the the enthusiasm some may have for die hart i still think that that's not going to be enough long term because quibi it's fighting an uphill battle and i'm not sure if it's going to be able to to go ahead and get all the way uphill unless they make some major changes I agree. Like it, I think they could save themselves if they were to do full-length things, but I think they overestimated their market, and I think that that's kind of to their detriment. Somewhere in some office at Quibi, someone's going, Dang, millennials! Pretty sure that. Pretty sure. What are your thoughts out there on Quibi and the latest offering that they have with Kevin Hart called Die Hart? Are you interested in picking up Queeby just to check it out? Or do you have Queeby? Or are you not interested at all in the Queeby platform? Share your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com, popculturecosmos everywhere on social media, or also TikTok as well. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. My friend, talking about now something of a little bit of a personal nature. I mean, you saw it on my Facebook that recently was announced in an area that I lived many, many years in the Southern California area that Sears is closing at the Delamo Mall. This was something that was very near and dear to me. I told you is where I learned a lot of my early pop culture as far as seeing toys and seeing fascinating video games, either both console and also the traditional arcade games were there. Imagine that at Sears. They had play, they could go downstairs and they had all the toy section and, and they had all the games and the video games and then they had a snack bar there that you could go ahead and play arcade games at. It was just truly a fun time. 
while my mom went upstairs and bought me Buster Browns on the rack, which we won't talk about there from there. But, you know, that was some styling and profiling back in the day for grade school. Again, we won't talk about that. But I will say this, that it just is a bigger sign of the times. And you and I have touched on this from time to time with Toys R Us and other companies, retailers that have gone by the wayside that we were very familiar with and we have an affinity for. I want to hear your thoughts on how the coronavirus pandemic is speeding up the inevitable. I mean, Sears was hanging on by a thread anyways. J.C. Penney, several others, they're hanging on by a thread and I think COVID is going to knock off a lot of these retailers sooner rather than later. Well, if you think about it, it kind of makes sense that it would happen because you know if Amazon weren't in play, I think that they'd they'd be a lot better off, right? They'd their people be going to them online instead of Amazon, where you can just buy everything. You know, and we're we're sitting we're at this time right now where like malls are closed. Well, not the one out here, but a lot of malls are are closed. They're shut down. You can't go into them, or you have to. They limit capacity. You know, for these stores that are already on their way out, like that's bad for them. You know, that's bad. They're not having the opportunity to sell as much as they they did and the mall out here that's like there's a lot of stores who are who are closing like they're having a lot of closing sales going on right now and yeah i imagine that covid was the the nail in the coffin for them and it's it's sad to see it go you know we're with the death of department stores i think it's possible that we're going to start seeing the death of shopping malls because a lot of people go to shopping malls to go into these department stores and then they go into the mall to kind of you know walk around a little bit but you know how how long till it starts hitting you know jc penney's is is closing down a lot of their locations closed sears is closing down dillard's are you know i, I think they're I, I don't know how they're doing right now but i mean a lot of the the big department stores where people would buy clothes like people just aren't going in there anymore and i think that's that's killing them it's not just because of covid but also because you know there are other places that are you know people like to shop these days but you know on the topic of sears I got my Sega Genesis from Sears. So I remember always going in there when I was a kid and they had, you know, downstairs, they'd have the big game counter. You can go and look at all the games up behind the, behind the, the person working there. There's the, you know, the Sega, Sega Saturn stuff, Sega CD, they had Nintendo, they had everything there. And I just remember when my parents would go into Sears, like my dad had to buy pants or my mom had to buy like a new dress or something. I would just sit there and, and stare for, for, as long as they let me at these games, like wondering, like, how can I take some of these home? And that was back when, uh, you know, we were talking about in the last episode, how games were not at a consistent price back then, right? You had some that were like 20, some were 40, and then you had some that jumped up to like 80 bucks. So it's, uh, I got a lot of good memories, man. But I mean, you know, as for department stores, I think that they were inevitably shutting down Sears, JCPenney's, all that. And COVID, yeah, kind of slowed that whole thing down. But now I ask you, what do you think is going to happen to shopping malls? As someone who loved shopping malls back in the day and who actually frequented at one time was the largest and then became one of the largest and then became a large mall because the fact everybody started growing theirs bigger and faster and whatnot. But I was in the Torrance area where it had the largest mall at one point in time, the Delamo Mall, the Delamo Fashion Mall. I am so sad to see this part of not just Americana, but retail shopping as a whole fade into obscurity. I mean, I I have such fond memories of, of walking through the spaces, seeing all the stores, 
going to the arcades. Oh my gosh, I love the arcade there. I spent many hours there at the mall. Just, just truly enjoy the mall experience. But you're right, man. This this coronavirus pandemic is speeding up the inevitable because you and I both saw in the past few years people were frequenting shopping malls less and less and less. The only time we would really see a large throng of people at the shopping malls was when? During the holidays. And so you're basing your entire budget or your entire profit margin, your entire business around one month of the year. And you can't do that always. It, you know, a lot of these retailers love to say that they do, but really can't go ahead and do that and, and just try and bank on one month out of the year every single year. It doesn't work long term. But you know what? Hey, uh, unless you're a Christmas store. Now, if you're a Christmas store, that's a different story. But for the most part, these retailers that are open 12 months a year can't do that. And it's, and it's showing up now because people are going less and less and less. They're, they're going online more and more and more. I, I'm an avid Walmart.com. I'm an avid Amazon.com. I'm an avid Target.com shopper. I do a lot of my shopping now online. I'm not ashamed to say that. And the coronavirus, that has even made my decision to shop online even more pronounced. And, and going forward... You know, people are going to be hesitant about going into large spaces with a lot of people. So I agree with you. The shopping mall experience is going to die sooner, most likely, rather than later. And that breaks my heart. I, ha- I, I love shopping malls. You know, even if I don't go in to buy anything, I just like like I like walking around them. You know, I like the food courts. I like to stop and get a pretzel and, you know, eat at Sabaro or whatever it might be. And it just it's so sad to see them go, you know, and like. I I remember back in California, you know, the shopping mall by my house, the closest one was Westminster. And like I was in there back when I was in California last week. And there's not a lot of big name stores in there. Yeah, you got your your Bath and Body Works and stuff like that. And there's like Gap and Victoria's Secret and all that, your usual tropes, you know, your hot topics. But um, you know, there's a lot of this this the stuff that was there before, like when I was a kid, the big stores, the the gaming stores and toy stores and bookstores and stuff like that, they've all been shut down in their places. Just it's kind of, uh, you know, like swap meaty type things. You know, there's a lot of um, boutiques and there's a lot of anime stores. And, and not, not that that stuff's bad, but I mean, it's just, it's not enough to drive people into it anymore. And that's kind of the sad part. Yeah. During Christmas, you get the, uh, you know, the, the little mobile stations and people pop a uh, little things popping up there and people selling things but it just it's sad man it's sad you know i missed i'm gonna miss that experience you know and i hope that it it stays for a little while but yeah you're right with like the the advent of online shopping and even like you made a good point about target.com walmart.com i think that the only reason that those stores are still you know competing right now is that they have grocery store like those are two stores you can go to buy anything right they have your gross your food your clothing your electronics like if they didn't have all that stuff crammed into one store, I don't think that they would be as competitive with something like Amazon right now. And that's something that uh, I want to give props again to the podcast I was listening to, Land of the Giants from Fox Media. And they indicated that that's how they wanted to go ahead and get get more into that space because that was their disadvantage at, at Amazon because you could go to Walmart that was plentiful and right there or Target and go and get something or go and get groceries right away. And they wanted to go ahead and, and 
get more involved in that. So that's why they bought Whole Foods. That's why they're, they're trying to go ahead and cut down the, the delivery time to, in some cases, and some products down to, what, a two-hour window. Same thing with Walmart. They're now heavily invested the opposite way, going into the cyberspace even more. And they're trying to become a big threat to Amazon.com because of the fact they, they now see fully where they need to go and expand because they pretty much saturated out the retail box system. I mean, they can't really go much farther and expand much farther here in the United States as far as the Walmart stores. So they have to go ahead and expand their base. And how they do that? To compete head on with Amazon, but they have to go ahead and compete on Amazon's terms as far as speed, as far as price, as far as value. And these are the interesting things that we're going to be seeing how these two heavyweights and how Target can can interject itself in the mix because Target has been a darling in the past year, year and a half of investors because the way that they have made their stores, the look, the design, the accessibility, they are the other choice, but they are the interesting other choice for a lot of people because they want to go ahead and they see something at Target or Target.com that they don't see in Walmart.com or Amazon.com. So it's interesting to see how this will all play out. I mean, you know, at some point in time, it's going to be other stuff like Best Buy, uh, other stuff like, like Macy's, others, other stores, retail outlets, retail entities that rely heavily on brick and mortar sales. These are the next to fall after the JCPenney's, the Sears, the, the, the traditional standby brick and mortar retailers. Once they, once they finally are done, you're going to see those next, I have a feeling. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, another, like, saving grace for something like Target is that, you know, moms like to shop there. Like, it is therapeutic for, I mean, not just moms, but, like, everybody. You know, it's like you see a Target on your way home, and you're like, oh, I'm going to stop in there. You know, that's that joke. You can't go into the Target and spend less than $100. You know, it's I think that kind of works in their advantage just because, you want to get out of the house of people. A lot of people, you'd be surprised at like how many people, or maybe you wouldn't, but like how many people shop to blow off steam, you know? And it's, uh, I think that that's something that the targets and the Walmarts have working in their favor. They also employ a whole lot of people. So, you know, in these times of COVID, I have probably seen more people in Walmarts than I have in actual grocery stores. So convenience, man, convenience. I think that Walmart might be just as convenient in some cases as ordering something online i'm so mad at you right now i'm gonna go ahead and shop at walmart right now just be prepared to spend more than a hundred dollars man <laughs> and that sound you hear is my wife hitting me on the back of the head as i do it no i'm just kidding i'm kidding i think it's going to become very much a three-party system of those three entities and everybody else is going to be on the outside looking in or at least for the most part Maybe eBay will get in there, maybe a couple others, Alibaba. But for the most part, I think there's going to be a lot of players like Best Buy, again, like Macy's, GameStop. You know, it's all these all these brick-and-mortar re reliant retailers that are going to be on the outside looking in. And as the older entities out there like Sears and JCPenney, they go by the wayside they're going to be right behind them or they're going to be in the not too distant future behind them as far as 
being bankrupt or out of business entirely because of what's going on right now in the current cyberspace war between Target, Walmart, and Amazon. What are your thoughts out there on the coronavirus speeding up the death of many retailers out there, starting with Sears, JCPenney, and so much more? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode, but before we head on out, something that you and I have talked about over the course of the past couple of years, off and on, came out to be a big hit movie, but a book. A book not named Congratulations, You Suck unfortunately, but a book called Ready Player One, which was a huge hit at the earlier part of last decade, is going to come out with a sequel book, Ready Player Two. It's now available for pre-order, and it's coming out in November. And while you're there at Amazon.com and also BarnesandNoble.com, please go ahead and order Josh's book. But I ask you, my friend, are you excited for Ready Player Two? Because I know you're the one that got me hooked on Ready Player One in the first place. And I thank you for it because it is truly the quintessential book on pop culture. I don't know. I feel like it speaks to a variety of generations. Like it, it doesn't just hit people that grew up in the eighties. It hits you in the nineties, the two thousands, even like more modern times. It's just, it is a really cool story, a really cool idea. You know, as for what the sequel will entail, that's tough, right? Because we have, corporations trying to invade what they call it the um the oasis the, yeah yes. the oasis yeah because when they went in they yeah they, plugged into the oasis mm-hmm. and there you go they had corporations like trying to run the oasis right and uh and it seemed to have now, a happy like, ending it seemed to close itself off into a happy it, ending it surprised me when i read that there was a sequel but i also started thinking about it, like what is going on in our world that somebody could write about right now having to do with the internet and it probably is maybe the government or maybe more corporate involvement. Like there could be a lot of stories to write about there, but I also like, I don't know the last movie or not movie, but book was pretty big in itself is a pretty epic story. And it just, it doesn't feel like, you know, well, the internet's in danger again. Like it just makes me wonder like where we can go from there. And I, not that I doubt Ernest Klein's ability to do it. Like he's a very, very gifted writer. But I just I'm wondering where the story's going because I just I don't see any possibilities right now. That's amazing that that it is going to be coming a Ready Player Two. I it it was seemed like inevitability as far as from a monetarial standpoint because you don't have that kind of success. Don't obviously with the book and now the movie that came out after it. You don't have that kind of success without getting kind of pressured into making a sequel. Whether Ernest Klein, he, he has consistently said that he's had ideas on a sequel. He's been quoted as saying that. He said that there's it's always been there on the table. But I don't know. I mean, this could this have been a situation where Ready Player One, which closed itself nicely and contained itself nicely within a one-story arc, trying to go ahead and now pose a new threat to the Oasis, when you seemingly tied it all up, I'm wondering if it's going to go ahead and be something that fans are going to gravitate towards. At least initially they will be because I'll be very excited for it. But like you, where can the story go from here? Uh, that's what I want to know. What could be the new threat to the Oasis? You know, it'd be funny if it was marketed more like an add-on, like a DLC. <laughs> that could be something cool. I don't know, man. I don't know like where the story could go. I'm I'm hopeful it's good and it's meaningful because you know it feels like in the first one, 
like a bow was put on everything, but all the characters were all like really well developed by the end of it. So I don't really know like what else you can do with them. I'll bet there's probably already film rights being talked about. Steven Spielberg might be being approached already, but show me the oasis of 90s references. You know, that's what I'm excited about. But that's Ready Player Two. It's coming in November. We're excited to see where into the pop culture cosmos it goes from there as well. What are your thoughts on Ready Player Two, Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com? Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. A lot of talk there on pop culture. Cannot thank you enough for stopping by once again. Any last thoughts on the way out? Yes, I have been watching a lot of things because I'm preparing for a project. And so you might notice I'm going to be posting a lot of reviews of some older things. So check those out, but know that there's something bigger coming around the corner. I certainly hope so, my friend. I certainly hope so. So for Josh Peterson, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PC. See Multiverse. Thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great day. We are the Cigar Nerds Podcast. Do you like cigars? Great! We've reviewed cigars while talking about movies, TV shows, science, and pop culture news. What? You don't like cigars? Great, because we also talk about science, movies, TV shows, and whatever's going on in the news. It's what we do. We smoke cigars, and we know things. Find us on CigarNerdPodcast.com. We're also on the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping through Amazon.com or the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. Tangentboundnetwork.com. Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.